I'm Kari Rowe, respiratory therapist in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Foreign Saints podcast, a pulse check for those of us that die daily. And today we're going to be having a meditation on the importance of the Word of God in our lives and our walk with Jesus, the importance of just being okay with the cost of following him and the cross that's laid out before us that we bear daily and an encouragement to give generously um, just to remember our persecuted brothers and sisters across the world to keep them lifted up in prayer and to let their sufferings encourage us by giving us perspective for our own lives and again you know just challenging us to get out there and share the gospel that they are being crushed for. Right, and so to that end, I have a quote from a pastor in the Democratic Republic of the Congo um, that I would like to share, uh, along with a meditation on it. We are standing stronger, knowing that even if we're being persecuted or oppressed, God is still in control. Is that you? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in your life, right? But if you're a dedicated follower of Jesus, not a perfect follower, not a perfect follower. It's not like you're perfectly righteous or anything like that, but you're committed to the cross of Christ. You're committed to the gospel, the only message of salvation, of the only name that is Christ by which men can be saved. If you're committed to that and you're committed to him, right, you've probably encountered uh, some measure of persecution this week, uh, some measure of persecution in this season of life, or maybe you've seen the, uh, you know, the challenges of persecution in someone else's life, right? Maybe, maybe that's you. Um, are you standing stronger because you know God's still in control of the situation or is your soul troubled? If you're standing strong, I hope this episode uh, continues uh, your season of strength. And, you know, encourage somebody else and keep on preaching the gospel, brother or sister. If your heart is troubled, if you're easily troubled by these things, as most of us are, a raised hand, myself included, then I hope this episode strengthens your weak knees to keep moving and to keep on lifting the name of Christ high, no matter what they throw at you, no matter what the obstacles in your life specifically throw at you, right? The words of a familiar hymn drifted through the air as Christians in a remote part of Sierra Leone sang and held their new Bibles. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. They had just made a public declaration of their faith through baptism, and many had paid dearly for following Christ. In another village, frontline workers baptized more than 120 new believers, some of whom had walked more than 16 miles to receive baptism. They too received new Bibles. One frontline worker marveled at how God is working in that unreached area, an area where human and child sacrifices are practiced. Christians throughout Africa know their faith in Jesus Christ may be tested by fire and machete. The world is behind them and the cross is in front of them. And though none go, 
with them, they will still follow. Like that pastor said, we're standing stronger, knowing that even if we're being persecuted or oppressed, God is still in control. Right? Amen and amen to that. It is always an encouragement to me. Um, I mean, just as an African-American, just hearing the stories of faith from not just my brothers in the faith, but, you know, brothers in ethnicity across the sea as they stand strong for the message of Christ, right? The message of Christ, uh, you could say, you know, first brought to Africa, quote unquote, first um, by the Ethiopian eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts um, in the book of Acts, you can read about him. Um, Christianity has just had a long tradition in Africa. It's, I mean, biblical Christianity has been anchored in Africa for centuries before it ever really made any headway into Europe. Um, but that's just free, you know. That's a that's something for that's a discussion for another episode um, that I do have planned. But for now, um, I want to take you to India where we're going to hear another story of the importance of God's word and persevering through uh, through persecution. Right. Um, and for those of you that don't know, um, I get these stories, most of these stories from the Voice of the Martyrs monthly magazine. I encourage you to uh, get a subscription. It is free um, and the stories are amazing. Um, the stories are amazing. They're where I get them. I read them right off the page and we just talk about them um, on these episodes of the podcast, right? Where we're just letting uh, the examples of those uh, of those that are walking with Jesus preach to our souls and encourage us um, to deeper uh, to deeper faithfulness and to continue to be more and more committed um, to the one who saved us. And understand that it is truly a privilege. It, it, it is a call. It is a responsibility to preach the gospel. But like Peter said, it is a privilege, right? We are privileged to preach the glories of the one who saved us. We are privileged to preach and talk of his amazing light that's shown into our souls, right? So let's hear a story from India of fellow believers that are doing just that. The drive lasted more than four hours as the road gradually deteriorated from asphalt highway to dirt track to rocky trail. Before reaching the remote village, Balhar and the rest of the Bible distribution team pulled off the road, switched off the ignition, and waited. When the group saw the familiar face of a local pastor approaching a short time later, they unloaded their precious cargo and followed the pastor on an hours-long trek to a pre-designated location in the jungle. Upon reaching the distribution site, they were greeted by local Christians eagerly awaiting their first copy of the Bible in their own language. The believers, some of whom had walked as far as 25 miles, joyfully received their Bibles and some basic instruction in how to study God's Word. As they departed, one or two families at a time, they tucked their prized gifts into packages, baskets, or bags to keep them hidden and safe on the journey home. Since the year 2000, Balhar has helped plant more than 200 churches in parts of India marked by the rise of Hindu nationalism and has helped train more than 100 other Christian workers to do the same. 
For the past seven years, he has distributed thousands of Bibles in these hostile areas, delivering more than 5,000 in 56 villages during 2022 alone. The majority of those who receive Bibles belong to house churches. These believers face harsh consequences from Hindu extremists if discovered actively practicing their Christian faith, so they meet secretly in the jungle and carefully hide their new copies of God's Word. For many Christians in remote villages in India, access to Bibles is limited by cost and availability, and with no Bible of their own, hearing God's Word is possible only during gathered worship. Balhar explains, Sometimes the pastor is the only person with a Bible. They just keep in their heart what they heard from the pastor, and the whole week they survive on that word. They need to wait for another Sunday to hear the word of God again. Manthan, one of the believers who trekked through the jungle to receive a Bible from the distribution team, had never owned a Bible in his many years as a Christian. Along with my family, I would attend church after traveling three hours deep in the forest, he said. Since we don't have the Bible, we could only hear the word at church, but had no access to it at home or in the village. I had a strong desire to teach the Bible to my family as well as other young folks at my village, but I couldn't due to lack of having a Bible for myself. Another Christian, Krish, had long worried that his children would not grow up to be faithful followers of Christ if he couldn't teach them from God's Word at home. Two of my children and I traveled together to get Bibles, he said. We were overjoyed to receive the Bibles in our language for the first time. We started daily prayers and nightly devotions. Not every Bible distribution goes smoothly, however. Messages must be relayed back and forth between church members, pastors, and the distribution team to confirm a safe meeting time and place, and to ensure that information about the Bible distribution hasn't leaked to anyone who might oppose it. Sometimes we even reach a particular village and then get a message that the Bible distribution is canceled, Balhar said. We just turn around and wait for news of another opportunity. Opposition to Christians has increased in India during the past decade. Under Prime Minister Narendra Modi, who took office in 2014, the Hindu nationalist organization RSS, I'm going to do my best to pronounce this, the Rashtriya Swayamsevak Sangh, I'm just going to say RSS, um, has seen a 20% increase in membership. The group's emboldened base seeks to forcibly bring India underneath Hinduism. In addition, nine Indian states have passed anti-conversion laws that impose heavy penalties on anyone convicted of proselytizing Hindus and on Hindus who convert to another religion. Amid this opposition, Christians in India are keenly aware of the need for Bibles. It feels like time is running out to place Bibles in the hands of those who want them before the window of gospel preaching and churches operating openly is closed, Balhar said. In support of his concern, he cited an incident of a pastor who had been martyred by Hindu radicals just days earlier, and Balhar himself was physically assaulted after his last trip to distribute Bibles. We get opposition, he said, but I can say, that persecution every time gives the result of church growth. The devil is trying to stop us, but somehow people are attracted to the gospel. 
Of course, we have our fears and experience threats, but God is giving us more power. They can't eradicate Christianity from India, I am sure, he continued. They cannot take Jesus from our hearts. He said that while persecutors may try to prevent Christians in India from receiving physical Bibles, Christians can keep the Bible in their hearts. Since receiving the Bibles from the distribution team, local believers have seen how powerful even a single Bible can be in growing the church. One Bible placed in my hands gave birth to a house church in my village, Manthan later said. Krish too expressed how having Bibles is changing his family and community. Neighboring houses are listening to the songs as well as the word of God as we're reading together, he said, and he no longer worries as much about his children's discipleship being interrupted while they're away at school. Now they have Bibles with them, Chris said, which helps them to devote themselves to God and his word. Having God's word close at hand helps Christians remain faithful in areas hostile to the gospel. Just pray that we'll be strong enough and faithful enough to persevere for the faith in Jesus Christ, for the gospel's sake, Balhar said. If God is for us, who can be against us? I strongly believe that God is for us, he continued, referring to Romans chapter 8. But the challenge for all the Christians in the world is whether we stand for God, whether we can stand for God's truth, whether we can stand for God's love. That is the need of the hour. That is the need of the hour. And to that, I would say, hey, amen and amen. Um, and there are some things uh, from that story that I would like to just kind of touch on and meditate on. Um, like I asked the other week with the story that we shared, what does that story do to you? Um, because there are a couple of things, like I said, that I would like to focus on. For one, just the distance that these guys are traveling. Is that not hitting you guys like these guys are traveling let me see if i can uh you know flip back here um you know believers walking 25 miles for bibles um other believers i mean i mean going 25 is far enough for a lot of us that just don't want to go even 10 minutes to church um from the first meditation today um we got believers walking more than 16 miles to receive baptism and and new bibles Right? Like, is is your Bible worth that much to you? Is it worth that much to you? Is the entire record of God's written word worth a 16-mile trek, worth a 25-mile trek? If you were separated from it and you didn't have, you know, other ways of hearing it, you know, if the only way that you could continue your study of God's word is walking 25 miles through thick jungle to get at it. Would you? Would you? That's not me saying you got to walk 25 miles in one shot. I'm just saying, would you make the trek, right? Or would you say, you know what? You know, this Jesus, it really ain't worth all of that. It really ain't worth all that. If you had to, if you had to walk hours to fellowship with other believers to hear the word of god preached would you is he worth it is he worth it are they worth it is your christian family worth it or like many that i have heard here in america and around the world are you content 
with Christianity on your own, away from the body and malnourished in the word? Are you just, are you content kidding yourself in your room that Jesus is okay with a half-hearted intimacy and an isolation from other people whom he saved? Is that the kind of Christianity that Jesus called you to? Is that a kingdom worth dying for? Not so much. Is that a kingdom worth proclaiming to the ends of the earth until the end of the age? No. No, it's not. No, it's not. Like, like, like he said, sometimes the pastor was the only person with a Bible. They have to keep in their heart what they heard from the pastor. And the whole week they survive on that word, on that little bit of word. Right? And this isn't the only story I've heard of that. You know, not just in India, but even in China where Bibles are restricted and being rewritten. Sometimes pastors only have one or two verses to preach on and mine for a congregation for a month, for two months. And that's all the word they get. Meanwhile, meanwhile, us in America, we've got we, we've got such a gold mine of the scriptures. Listen to this. Listen to that. Listen to that waterfall of eternal life that I'm flipping through right there. They don't have that. They don't have that. And in a lot of ways, they're relying on, I mean, obviously they're relying on God, but they need us. They need the rest of the body praying for them, right? Giving to them, giving to those efforts financially, whether a lot or a little, right? But let us learn from their example of devotion right let us learn from that right the next time that we complain you know that church is running a little long or the next time that we uh the next time that we complain that you know fellowship is annoying or the next time we just really don't feel motivated man remember what they go through remember what jesus sacrificed for you remember what the rest of the body around the world is sacrificing for the word. And let that preach to your heart and encourage you to keep it pushing, to keep it going. Right? Consider the sacrifice of Balthar as he is risking his safety, bringing Bibles into remote parts of the jungle, hour-long trips that sometimes can't even pan through, that sometimes don't even make it. Is sharing Jesus worth that to you? Is it? Or are we content to be scared in our skins on our job? Or are we content to let the pressures of the world that sometimes aren't even anywhere near us scare us out of an eternal conversation with somebody on our workplace? And why, and why do I mention the workplace? Well, for most of us, that's where we spend eight hours of the day. I mean, I, I work in medicine, so 12 hours of the day for me. And that's where we spend a significant portion of our time. We spend a significant portion of our time at the workplace. And for most of us, that is where we encounter the world. Right? 
our touchstone with the world is at work. When we come home, assuming that your home environment is entirely Christian, you're not coming home to resistance. Right? But when you leave for your paycheck, that's where the mission field's at. That's where the mission field's at. You already spend three to five days a week there anyway for eight to 12 hours a day. You might as well make the time fruitful by not just getting a paycheck to give yourself some bread down here. But while you're doing that, you should also be peddling the true bread, the bread that came down from heaven. The only thing that can save them. The only thing that can save them. He is worth the risk. He is worth the stripes. He is worth the cross. Count the cost and keep it pushing. Count the cost and keep on preaching, man. Resolving your soul that whatever happens is going to happen. But I'm going to share this message wisely, with love, and with confidence that God's got me. That there's a harvest of people that are hungry to hear the word and with the consolation that your brothers and sisters around the world are going through similar challenges, suffering similar uh, setbacks and persecutions and a lot of ways harder ones. And God comes through for them too. And God builds his church in the midst of what they're going through too. Whether you got Gestapo agents hunting you down in the jungle, whether you're doing black ops Bible drop-off operations in the middle of the Congo, or whether you're just on the assembly line sharing the love of Jesus with a trans person to your right and somebody who's uh, lost sight of Jesus in the midst of their conservative politics to the left and somebody on the other side of the assembly line who's just drowning in depression or alcoholism or whatever, whatever it is, whatever your situation, Christ will build his church. So hop on board, man. So hop on board with building this foreign kingdom of Christ that is better than all the kingdoms of the world and stands above them all and is being built in the middle of all of them, despite what opposition comes against it. Despite the opposition that comes against it. Right? Consider the, the RSS, right? That Hindu nationalist organization that's trying to stamp out Christianity in Hinduism, right? As Balthar said, or as Balhar, sorry, as Balhar himself said, you know, he himself got physically assaulted and another pastor there was martyred, right? The fight for eternal life and the salvation of souls here in America has not yet reached the point where we as followers of Christ live with a constant expectation of having to shed blood and suffer physical harm for what we believe, right? The worst that might happen to us is a social media cancellation, or loss of a job. Right? I'm just I mean, I'm just saying like that's that's really the height of persecution that we have here in this country right now. Outside of the usual stuff that I can't really say is distinctly American, you know, the usual social pressure of not wanting to identify yourself with Jesus. Right? But they're facing it worse. And our time, just like just like they said, when they said it feels like time is running out to put Bibles in the hands of people that want them before things get 
really hard? Consider that, man. We are in a season of ease in America. Sure, the, the, the tail end of that season definitely seems to be approaching. If nothing changes, if, if, you know, if culture continues on this course, then yeah, Christianity is going to be getting a lot more difficult in the back half of our lives. And it's going to be a lot more difficult for the generation after us and the generation after them. It, it probably will be, right? In that way, it will be a return to the usual norm for Christian history. And we have to determine to be okay with that and carry our crosses anyway, right? Our gospel is foreign, right? My wife and I said that in our first episode. And consider Jesus carrying his cross. His cross took him outside the camp. As it says in Hebrews, he was crucified outside Jerusalem. He was crucified as a foreigner. to the very city that he loved so dearly. Right? And the same is true of us. Right? The same is true of us and the same will be proven of us. As I flip through, um, as I flip through this Bible just to find, um, you know, just to find a verse that really, uh, really just kind of bookends what I'm talking about here in this first part. Out of 1 Thessalonians. Out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 13, the Apostle Paul writes, We also thank God constantly for this. What does he thank God for? He thanks God for this, that when the Thessalonians received the word of God, which they heard from them, you received it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Right? That word, the word of God that we sometimes discount as not worth the time, is at work in you today, saint is at work in you today, O redeemed of Jesus Christ. Let that humble you and draw you back to it, if you've been neglectful of it. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. Right? What is Paul saying? That these non-Jewish churches suffered the same sort of pushback from their own native communities as the Jewish churches did, right? The Jewish Christians were rejected by their Jewish compatriots, right? Greek churches ended up being rejected by their Greek compatriots, and it and the cycle continues through history, right? African churches rejected by their African compatriots. Ethiopian churches rejected by the Ethiopians of the world. European churches rejected by the Europeans of the world. American Christians, yes, American Christians, you, the more you follow Jesus, the more you'll find that the worldly of America continue to push you away, continue to separate from you and your foreignness from your people gets emphasized, but that's okay. That's okay. They suffered the same things from their own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out, and displease God, and oppose all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. Have you considered that people that work against 
the message of Christianity aren't just working against you. They're working against the best interests of all mankind. This is the message. This is the only message with the only name under heaven by which men can be saved from their sins and come into eternal life, which, according to John uh, chapter 17, verse 3, I believe, is quoted as saying, this is eternal life, that they know the Father and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. That is eternal life, coming into relationship with the Father and the Son through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. People that oppose that message are opposing the best interest of mankind. Right? That's big. That's big. But by the flip side, what that means is you, Christian, you, Christian, in your life, fighting for personal holiness, fighting to wait on Jesus, fighting for the fidelity of the gospel, fighting for the good theology of Jesus Christ, you contending for the message in your hostile family, with your hostile friends, in your hostile work environment, you are a part of God's plan to save all of mankind. Don't be dissuaded. And with all of mankind as the prize, expect some opposition from darkness. Expect a lot of opposition from darkness, but understand this. Christ is king. Christ is king. He is risen. He is alive. And we too have already risen to newness of life. So keep on pushing, keep on preaching as we go into our intermission. Meditate on those things. And we'll be right back after this. First John chapter five, verse four. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Answer, nobody. The Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Right? And notice how they did. Notice what the scripture says. By faith, by faith in his blood and by the proclamation of their testimony. Right? They overcome the world. They overcome the dark spiritual forces that are puppeteering the lost masses and inspiring the persecution against them by holding fast in faith to the blood that purchases them free from their sin and by holding on to the testimony of that freedom. That's it, Saint. That's it. Not your works, not what you do, not who you know, unless who you know is Jesus. <laughs> but come on, man. Who is it that overcomes the world except this kingdom? Answer, nobody. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Foreign Saints podcast as we continue with our pulse check for those who die daily. We're going to open up 1 John, 1 John, not Gospel of John, but 1 John, uh, chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, 
pretty much everyone I feel like that has a passing familiarity with Christianity knows of John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but will have everlasting life and I think I just mixed a couple different uh think I just mixed a couple different translations there together um, but we're going to be looking at first John three sixteen right so if John three sixteen is about God's self-sacrificial love for the world to save them right first john 3 16 is about the christian's self-sacrificial love for his fellow christian right and th this has relevance to what we're going to be talking about because in this uh you know for the back half of this episode um i just i really want you to consider um you know making these persecuted christians a regular part of your prayer life, you know, finding a way to make that happen. Um, and also just encouraging you, you know, as far as it is within your financial ability to do so, to, you know, to give to these efforts to support these guys, to give to the efforts to minister, to share the gospel in hard fought places. Um, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be referencing Voice of the Martyrs, obviously, but if you know of, you know, if you have, you know, a Christian in your local fellowship that needs uh, some financial assistance, help them with it. You know, like you, you know, if, if they got, you know, if they need, uh, if they got a $10 problem and you have $10, there is no problem, right? Handle it, right? If you know of anything in your own local fellowships that need help and you've got the ability to help, then do it, right? Because in doing that we show that this kingdom is not of this world that's one of the ways that we show that we are foreigners in this land that we are serving a different king other than the kingdom other than the kings of this world or the kings of our own flesh right but we serve the risen one right and a big way that we show that is in our love for one another um so you know without further ado first john chapter 3 verse 16 by this we know love comma space all right so what the apostle is saying is what he's about to talk about whatever that this is is how we know love right how do we know love that he laid down his life for us god specifically jesus right how do we know love we know it because jesus laid down his life for us as i was talking about with rahab um, uh, you know, a week ago, right? When Rahab asked the spies, give me a sure sign that you'll save me when judgment comes. They said, our life for yours, even to death. That's what the Son of Man says to us. That's what the Son of God says to us. Give me a sure sign of your love. How do I know your love? Because I gave my life up, even unto death for you right because he laid down his life for us right that's how we know love but he also attaches something to it right and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers right and sometimes sometimes what can happen when people pick up bible verses where you know brother is mentioned is they'll just kind of, they'll water down brother to just mean like any human being and I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't call you to love every human being. The Bible does, right? 
but sharing the love of God to everybody, right? Remember the Sermon on the Mount. Remember the manifesto of the kingdom, the constitution of the kingdom, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and in Luke chapter 6, right? That the Father gives his reign to the just and the unjust. He gives sunny days to good and evil alike. He loves everybody, right? He shows his love to everybody. Right, but there is a special kind of love that is reserved for his people, i.e., the love revealed through Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. The only way you get the full measure of God's love in your life is in Jesus, right? Outside of Jesus, you experience God's general love, his general acts of love, his general love notes to mankind saying, Repent, right? But once you do repent and come into Jesus, then you experience God's love on a whole nother level. Because then he takes up resonance inside you. He, he causes that dead spiritual life in you, that dead spiritual man in you to be resurrected. He brings you back to life. And he shows you a foreign way of living with Jesus as your king. Right. But if we have experienced that love, it ought to drive us to lay down our love, our lives for the brothers, not just in an ultimate sense, not just in an ultimate, you know, self-sacrifice unto death sense, but in an everyday sense. Right. Like we're willing to lay down the things in our lives that make our lives comfortable if it would be of benefit to a brother. If it would be of benefit to a brother. Right. And John is specifically talking about like physical needs. How do I know that? Well, because of the very next verse where he says, but if anyone has the world's goods and, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Right? What is John saying? We see the same theme in the book of James, but sometimes it trips people up coming, coming from James. Right? But he's saying, look, man, if anyone has, you know, resource and yet sees his brother in the faith, right? Not just general brother in the book, brother in the faith right struggling and in need and yet doesn't aid him john calls that closing his heart against him like that's big you're closing your heart off from him right like you're killing the fellowship there preventing yourself from experiencing some blessed fellowship and for what so that we can stay comfortable, right? Like, remember in the previous, remember before the break, you know, we're all in this together. We're all in this together, working for the benefit of all mankind. We gotta help each other out for the sake of the mission, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of Christ. And just cause I love you, brother, gotta help you. Gotta help you if I can. Now I get it. Ain't none of us doing this perfectly. I get it. But that's what uh, that's what an episode like this is for. That's what a podcast like this is for. 
It's for giving us that pulse check. I'm saying, hey, are you alive in this area? In the area of kingdom generosity to your brothers and sisters in the faith, are you alive in this area? Or are you still the walking dead hanging on to your possessions and extra? Right? Like I'm, you know, we're, we're working through it too. You know, my wife and I entering a, you know, a new season of prosperity that we just, you know, haven't really had before. You know, we're going to be in a season over these next few weeks and months of, you know, figuring out the finances and restructuring some things, um, you know, to be able to be financially free enough to give money overseas to these missionary efforts and these missionary support efforts and to be able to have money tucked away to the side to be able to help those in the fellowship that need it when they need it right like it's the the way of jesus is a lifestyle man this this thing isn't just head knowledge there's a lifestyle associated with this there there's giving up your life here i'm not living like the rest of america that's trying to just stack up the bread and stack up comfort upon comfort upon comfort just for me and my family because i follow jesus i got a bigger lens than that i'm trying i'm doing my best to keep my eyes on what jesus's eyes are on and look at what he wants me to look at and i find in my christian life that by the leading of the spirit that he's always calling my wife and i to look at everyone that's not us and I have a hunch, you know, a bit more than a hunch, um, that the Spirit is at least attempting to birth the same sort of care and love for the brothers in you too. In you too, right? But that brings up an interesting point that I want to mention, right? This is not supposed to be a guilt trip kind of a situation. I'm not trying to wring hands for nobody, all right? Because that too is un biblical as the scriptures say um you know as whoops sorry just looking at the wrong chapter there um but as the scriptures say um you know you got to be a cheerful giver man you got to be a cheerful giver not giving under compulsion right because that's that's just dead religion right give like like giving and being generous because you feel compulsed and compelled and forced to do it by God. It's just dead religion, right? That just becomes another thing that you try to claim justification and claim salvation with. That's not life. That's death. Might as well hold your money back at that point, right? But as 2 Corinthians 8 says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Right? What are our riches for? What are what all the extra that's in our life? What is it for? Right? Yes, to glorify God and enjoy him forever, but also for each other. So that we, those of us with uh, that those of us that have extra would be privileged to have the opportunity to play out Jesus's role in the gospel and give up what we have and not cling to our right to these things for the sake of seeing somebody else built up. And so that the person that is in lack, right, because what happens when you're in lack? We've all been there. We feel like we're not worthy. We feel like God doesn't really love us, right? 
we feel like we got to figure things out, right? So that the person who is feeling all of those things because of their lack, because of their poverty, can get reassured in the gospel by a physical brother here on this earth, that by receiving a gift that they did not earn that solves their problem, right? Or at least comforts them in it, that they would be reminded of the king who gave up everything for them, and solved their biggest problem and walks with them through it all in this world. And in that way, both the brother that has a lot of resources and the brother that doesn't have a lot of resources can both be humbled and reminded of the gospel of grace that saves them both and knits them together in blood. I mean, come on, that's good, right? That's good, right? But how does Paul describe it? How does Paul describe it? 2 Corinthians 8, 13, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Exodus chapter 16, verse 18. Right? So, you know, without further ado, you know, let's jump into some more stories, right? Not, you know, not, not super long drawn out stories, but we're going to look at, you know, you know, a couple places, five max, um, with what little time we have left, a little over, little over 15, about 16 minutes left that we got here. Um, we're going to look through, you know, just we're going to look through some short little vignettes and just hear, um, you know, some of the struggles that they got, man. Let it speak to you. Let us speak to you and consider, right? If you have extra, if you got some financial uh, prosperity, man, consider giving as much as you can, uh, you know, without being irresponsible, right? You got to do it willingly, hopefully, uh, and also be doing it cheerfully, right? Examine your heart first. Examine your heart first, right? And if not, um, you know, no matter where your finances are at, please be praying for these guys, you know, and pray for you too. Christians in the Central African Republic have suffered greatly from a civil war that erupted in their country in 2012. They're frequently attacked by Islamic rebels who accuse them of assisting militias that have carried out revenge killings against Muslims. And they are sometimes driven from their towns and villages as attackers loot and destroy their homes and churches. During a recent visit to the CAR, Frontline workers met with Christians who have been living in camps for internally displaced people since fleeing the violence years ago. For many, returning home just isn't an option, and gaining a sense of stability is difficult without the ability to work or support themselves. One frontline worker said, To live as displaced people in camps on the edge of the city is difficult, but there's nothing to return to. Houses, schools, churches, clinics were destroyed and gardens no longer exist. As families have taken as families have continued to take refuge in the IDP camps, education has become a great need. At one camp, more than 7,000 elementary age children attend a government school with only 36 classrooms. Let me say that again. 7,000 elementary age children attend a government school with only 36 classrooms, averaging about 200 students per class. The classrooms aren't equipped with blackboards or desks, and finding enough teachers is an ongoing concern. In another location, children are taught in temporary shelters or sit on the floor of overcrowded government school classrooms. 
Voice of the Martyrs has responded to the needs of displaced Christians in the CAR, helping provide thousands of school kits, Bibles, and medical supplies. In addition, frontline workers continue to minister to our persecuted Christian family members by providing relief and trauma care. The impact of the ministry has been significant, the frontline worker said. Pray for the Christians in the Central African Republic, yeah? Let's keep it pushing. In Southern Mexico. Gustavo used to serve his community and oh man, these are going to be difficult words for me. Uh, yeah, forgive me. Sometimes reading about foreign places can humble you when you realize that you think you're smart and you can't even pronounce a simple word. Um, Gustavo used to serve his community in Alaxica State by leading pagan celebrations that honored the traditional idols of the village through festivals involving heavy drinking. After a local pastor shared the gospel with Gustavo, he placed his faith in Christ and renounced the idolatrous festivals. Others in Gustavo's community pressured him to continue leading the festivals, but he refused. See how his foreignness is starting to show now that he's following Jesus? As a result, he and other members of his church were expelled from the community, costing them their homes and most of their possessions. They lost their homes and their stuff for Jesus. New Christians in southern Mexico are often rejected by their communities and forced from their homes and villages. Christo-pagan village leaders and armed Marxist rebels oppose any witness for Christ in the region. Voice of the Martyrs supports persecuted Christians in these areas by meeting their unique needs when they are displaced for their faith. Pray for Gustavo and his family, yeah, as they, you know, as they work through that. And, you know, consider, you know, consider uh, being some tangible part of relief for, you know, maybe not just the Salvo, but, you know, persecuted saints across the world, your brothers and sisters. Right, Matthew 25, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, Christians, you did it to me. Right. We keep it pushing, right? So we look at Laos. Most Christians in Laos are persecuted by family members or village authorities, a reality experienced by one Christian couple, Lerm and Dao, who were kicked out of their village after they placed their faith in Christ. They got kicked out of their city, man. In April 2022, Lerm and his wife Dao started worshiping at a Christian church. A few months later, Dao's father, who was head of their village in northern Laos, found out about the couple's faith and demanded that they renounce Christ. When Lerm and Dao refused, Dao's father used his influence to have them evicted from the village because he did not want any Christians living there. He also took away their income and food supplies. After the couple's eviction, Lerm asked his own father to take them in, but his father was too afraid of losing his government job. Lerm, Dao, and their two children, ages five and three, now live in a temporary hut on land provided by their local church. Though the family lost everything when they were evicted, their faith has remained strong. And I see them enjoying the promises of what Jesus talked about in the Gospel of Mark 
about how anyone that uh, about how anyone that decided to you know follow after him and anyone that lost anything for the sake of following him but gained back so much more with persecutions, right? Consider supporting them, you know, not just in prayer but financially as well. Galatians chapter six. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Um, and we keep it pushing, right? We keep it pushing. As we come to Nepal, Anudani earned money by predicting people's future. Wow. And her husband, Prakash, worked in a noodle factory, and hope I'm saying the name right. When their three-year-old daughter became seriously ill and no one could heal her, Anu's sister suggested the couple take their daughter to a Christian church for prayer. They took her advice, and after receiving prayer from the church's pastor, their daughter was restored to health. Anu immediately abandoned her occult practices and placed her faith in Christ, but Prakash responded violently and tried to kill the pastor. Believing her husband was possessed by a demon and was mentally ill, Anu asked the pastor to pray for him. Soon, Prakash was healed and came to faith in Christ. Um, just something to note there, right? The Bible does uh, make a separation between demonic oppression and mental illness. Just look at the Gospels. They record those things as two separate problem categories, right? Right. There's demon oppression and then there's mental illness, right? Sometimes one can cause the other, and a lot of times they're just separate issues, right? Again, just trying to be biblically accurate here, just trying to let y'all know, let y'all know, because, you know, we got rumors floating around about what we believe and what we don't believe. When Prakash's family learned about the couple's Christian faith, they forced them out of the family home. Again, they lost their homes for Jesus and their family, really, fearing that their presence would anger the spirits of their ancestors. The young family sought help from their pastor, and they are now living in a small room in their local church. With Voice of the Martyrs' help, they hope to build a small home where they can continue to follow Christ. Keep them prayed up, yeah? them prayed up that's tough that's tough but you know there's there's a cost to following jesus and follow jesus for long enough faithfully enough and you'll see you'll see all sorts of little choices start to appear out of the woodwork of who are you really loyal to are you really loyal to the to your way of life before or are you loyal to the king and don't get it twisted, man. Don't get it twisted. You very well may have to make a decision between the way your family has always done things and the way Jesus is calling you to live now. Right? But remember what our Lord says about that. Right? I didn't come to bring peace, but division. From now on in one household, they'll be divided. Mom against daughter, father against son. In-laws against in-laws, man. I bring peace for those who repent and follow me. But I make a division between those that follow and those that don't. And we keep it pushing again. Ethiopia. 
Though the gospel was first brought to Ethiopia in the first century, many Ethiopian Christians still face persecution today. And again, hear that, my you know, African-American brothers and sisters. The gospel, the message of Christianity, was first brought to Ethiopia in the first century. It was long before Europe touched it. It was long before Europe or the Catholic Church or anybody touched it. Right? Not that it really means anything, because Christianity is about grace, not merit. But for those to whom it may concern, um, you know, black people have been Christians a long time. Really, about since, pretty much since Jesus came up out the grave. Right? Don't let people convince you that Christianity is a white man's religion, man. It's our heritage. It's our heritage in a lot of ways. But again, that's an episode for another day. In southern Ethiopia, political unrest and the rise of Wahhabism, an extreme branch of Islam, has resulted in a wave of attacks against Christians. In eastern Ethiopia, Christians among the large Somali population are persecuted by both their communities and their families. Several majority Muslim tribal groups across Ethiopia also persecute Christians. In the North Shewa region of central Ethiopia, Christian communities have been attacked nine times by militant Muslims who have destroyed many churches and displaced hundreds of Christians. Voice of the Martyrs has helped more than 1,200 Christians affected by the attacks, and God has been glorified in these communities through the restoration of homes and churches, as well as other assistance provided by the global body of Christ. See, we can be a part of this. We can. We can be a part of each other, not just globally, but locally, too, with each other. Several people gave their lives to Christ because of the good work they've seen, a frontline worker said. The good work and love shown by the Christians is opening more doors for people to approach the pastors and even ask an apology for what they have done to the Christians and the churches. On one occasion, three of the main persecutors gave their lives to the Lord. Amen. What Jesus did in the life of the persecutor Paul, he still does today. Have hope. Have hope, brothers and sisters. And we push on to our last area, Nigeria. Moses Joseph, and yes, that is his name, grew up in a Christian family that attended church every Sunday and read daily devotions together in their home in southern Kaduna State, Nigeria. Although the region has long been plagued by attacks from militant Fulani Muslims, 17-year-old Moses had never been greatly concerned about the violence. But one Saturday morning in April 2021, Moses' father left for his farm and never returned home. When villagers searched for him the next day, they discovered his body in the field where he farmed. He had been slashed on the back with a machete and shot once in the head. No one saw who killed my father, Moses said, but I believe it was Muslim Fulani herdsmen because they had just attacked our community a few days before he was killed. Millions of Fulani live in Nigeria and neighboring countries. While many are peaceful, some, especially in Nigeria, are militant Muslims. Just as the terrorist group Boko Haram targets Christians throughout northeastern Nigeria, militant Fulani Muslims are working to eradicate Christians from the southern part of Kaduna State. They've killed thousands of believers, raped hundreds of women while abducting countless others, and burned many homes and churches. Hundreds of Christians were displaced in 2022 alone. 
Frontline workers have helped many displaced Christians in northern Nigeria, assisting them with skills, training, and helping provide housing, food, clothing, and other necessities. Voice of the Martyrs also serves Christian widows who have been displaced after losing their husbands in Islamist attacks. With the help he received from Voice of the Martyrs, Moses, Joseph, and his siblings continue to grow in faith and trust in God. And he says, Persecution cannot stop me from going to church services and going about my regular church activities, he said. It will not stop me from telling anyone about Christ. Pray for him, yeah? Pray for all of them. And something to say, you know, just reading off the page here from Voice of the Martyrs, your gifts meet specific immediate needs of families who have been driven from their homes because of their faith in Christ. Such help includes blankets, shelter, soap, medical supplies, food, Bibles, and more. You can give online at vom.org forward slash driven. That's vom.org forward slash driven. You can give a gift in any amount that you feel led to give, any amount that you feel is financially responsible, yeah? But I hope that this has encouraged you to try and, sh you know, show love, show some real financial love to people that are hurting, to people that are suffering, to people that are struggling in your local fellowship. Commit to the word, commit to the gospel, commit to Jesus. Don't stop. We're foreigners and our king is coming. All right. Until next week or until later this week, I should say, peace.